Welcome to Waymaker Church Podcast. The heart of the house is that these messages would help you to encounter, live for, and advance the kingdom of God. Enjoy this week's message. Go ahead, if you have your Bible this morning, open to the book of uh, Matthew chapter 20. Again, it's Matthew chapter 20. We're going to be looking at the first 16 verses of that chapter this morning. Um, we're continuing in our series on the parables of Jesus, and uh, I don't know if you guys have enjoyed it. I've enjoyed studying it uh, and uh, just taking some time in it, but uh, this morning, as we get ready to jump into this particular parable, it's the parable of the workers of the vineyard, and uh, we're going to look at that, but I want to remind you that, again, receiving salvation, saying yes to Jesus is about more than praying a prayer to get into heaven. Uh, when we say yes to him, we're not just saying yes for the get out of hell free card. Well, you know, you know, don't pass go, don't collect $200. It's not just simply to avoid hell, but it is about stepping into getting the nature of heaven back into you. Right? So we are all, we were separated through sin from God, but when we surrender our lives, the whole purpose of that is to get the nature of heaven back into you. The nature of heaven in you, it's in result surely will be salvation. Right? We want to be able to step into the kingdom, but at the same time, we need the kingdom of God in us today where we are. And the way that we do this is the seed of God's word is what transforms us from the inside out, and uh, it causes us to become agents of change. So the Jesus in you, the power of the Holy Spirit in you, is intended like leaven to have an effect on the world around you, where you live for the gospel. You live for Jesus Christ, not just on Sundays, but every day. And so what happens is, 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 is this transformation takes place, and it's demonstrated uh, by the intensity of our pursuit. And so we discover his goodness. He draws our hearts to himself. He leads us to minister to others, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. And so in the past couple of weeks, what we've talked about is how Jesus has, has focused on, uh, on our relationship with him. Uh, so the, the initial parables, it was really about like our relationship to him, our response to him. The last couple of weeks, we see a little bit of a shift where now it's this interpersonal type dynamic where we've talked about forgiveness and, and how we interact with one another. That we're supposed to forgive, to show mercy and compassion to our neighbor. Uh, last week, as we looked at the, uh, at, the, at the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Uh, we see that, that God has said, look, everybody is your neighbor. Anybody is your neighbor. And so we're called to serve and show mercy and compassion. So today we're going to be looking at the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And, uh, and so uh, that's found in Matthew chapter 20. But I want you to understand, again, it's important to get the context of this. Um, is leading up to this parable, uh, Peter is once again asking a question to Jesus. Now, one of the things that I think we should all learn to become like is like Peter. So we all have a little bit of foot and mouth disease. Peter was always saying like the wrong thing at the wrong time. Like, like God shows up on a mountain. Jesus' physical image is changed before him. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. Like God is speaking out of a cloud. And Peter's like, you want me to build you a house? I don't know about you guys. Like I identify with Peter. Like I have like that foot and mouth disease when you're just like, Joel, just shut up, man. Like, just let, like, let God do his thing right now. And it's like, just be quiet. And so it's kind of funny because in that, that's what he does. But again, we find Peter asking a question to Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 27. And, uh, and Peter said to him, he says, so uh, we, have all, we have left all and follow you. Therefore, what shall we have? So this question he's now wondering is what's going to be done for me because we've left all to follow you. Now, the, the preceding story of this is a story of the rich young ruler. So there was a young man that is concerned about eternal life. He's asking Jesus. He says, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and he, he quotes him from the commands of God, the commandments of God. And the young man was like, oh, I've kept all those things from my youth. And then he asked this question, but what do I still lack? So he knew something on the inside that there was a lack in an area. 
And, uh, and so what I love about Jesus and what I love about the work of the Holy Spirit is he always tends to pinpoint the areas in our life that are just keeping us from him. And it's funny because the title of this obviously is The Rich Young Ruler. And so for this particular person, and I'm going to pull this out as well, finances are not a bad thing. Having finances is not a bad thing. But if your finances have your heart, it's a bad thing. Because those things become an idol that we can exalt above the things of God. Just don't let that happen. But when it comes to, to wealth, God's not concerned by wealth. But for this young ruler, what's interesting in it is, uh, is he has all this, but he asks a question, what do I still lack? And Jesus tells him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. It says, but when the young man heard this, uh, this saying, he went away sorrowful, uh, sorrowful because he had great possessions. And so out of this, right, so... The funny thing is, is he turns around and literally the disciples after that, uh, he goes, they, they asked Jesus the question, how, then who can be saved? Because the, the statement that Jesus makes in there in between these two is that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And the reason he says that is if finances have our heart, then the problem is going to be that our trust is in what we have and not in the Lord. That's, that's the whole idea behind all this concept. So then like, they all ask and they're astonished and they're like, so who can be saved? And, and out of this is where it, it begins to go into uh, what we're going to talk about today. And so uh, we're going to look at, uh, yeah, we're going to look at uh, Matthew, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 20. Uh, and a couple verses leading into this, uh, as they're talking about the end of the age, one of the statements that Jesus ends with in verse 30 of chapter 19 is he makes a statement. He says, many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. And as we think about the, the parable of the workers in the vineyard, there is some things from this uh, particular uh, passage, because Jesus is talking to them, and, and he's telling the disciples, this is what's going to happen. He says, surely I say to you that in the, in the regeneration, so at the end of the age, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit down on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters, father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. So Jesus is talking about that our service to him, when we sacrifice, when we give up things for him, he's saying in eternity, and this is the thing, we have to live in the context of eternity. When we live in the context of eternity, he's saying during that time, you're going to receive more. Because he is a God of eternal rewards. And the neat thing about those rewards is those rewards never end. So keep that in mind. When we serve Jesus in the context of the week to week, just in our natural life, it's easy to drift. But when I keep eternity in the forefront, it helps us to stay on track. Because I realize that what we're fighting for is not just to do better today. What we're fighting for is a heavenly crown at the end of our life. Amen? It's about receiving the reward of our salvation. Ultimately, that's our Savior. That's Jesus himself. Like, he is the reward of our salvation. Yet at the same time, the works that you do for him, he's going to reward those well. Why? Because he's good, and that's just what he does. He's a too much God, and, uh, and, and I, I love that. So the three things that are in that short passage there, and I want you to understand, number one is that there is a fullness of reward. Uh, our full, the fullness of reward is in eternity with Christ. The second thing is that prior to eternity, there are sacrifices made by people who follow Jesus. Now, that's something that we don't hear a lot anymore in the American gospel. We don't like the word sacrifice, but the reality of it is, is that people all throughout the scripture that have said yes to the Lord have to sacrifice in their life. Some face trial, some face tribulation, some face distressing times. It is what it is. Our responsibility is to continue to say yes to him in every season, whether I feel like it or not. Amen? 
because he's our king. Now, I know that's probably not going to get the most amens in the room this morning, but it's important for us to tell you the truth. We're not just fighting to to get to heaven. We're fighting to get the nature of heaven back into us, and that's going to require us to go through some things, to discipline ourselves, at times even to suffer, at times to carry heavy burdens, whether it's in prayer or in helping someone, whatever it is. There's going to be seasons and times for that, but the Lord will sustain you through them all. And at the end of the day, he's going to give you the crown of life when your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? So good. And so the three things in this is the second one I said that to, to prior to eternity, their sacrifice had to be made. The third thing is this, is that human perspective can skew understanding. Reminded that the scripture says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. When we read this, and of course, he's asking the question, you know, well, what's going to be done for us? Jesus finishes that by saying many who are first will be last and the last shall be first. So there's a potential in that, that, that with the way that we think, there is a potential that we can be led astray or have a skewed understanding because we want to make sure that we understand what God's actually asking us to do. And so if you look at Matthew chapter uh, 20, uh, uh, we're going to look through the first 16 verses. This is the parable of the works of the vineyard. So Jesus answers that question, tells him that the last will be first, uh, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And he immediately launches into this parable. And he says this, he says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. He went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard. Whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one hired us. So he says to them, You also go in the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, The last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing to you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first will be last. For many are called but few chosen. So in this particular parable, again, we see two primary characters. Number one is the Lord of the vineyard. He's the landowner, the one that owns all the things. The second thing we see is the workers in the vineyard. And so once again, Jesus is giving reference to what the kingdom of heaven is like. So when he starts it off, he is once again trying to give us a picture through workers in a vineyard of what the nature of the kingdom of heaven is like. Right? He's trying to give us that vantage point. And so in this, we see that the Lord of the vineyard going to a marketplace to call people to labor. He goes to the marketplace to call people to work. And so several times throughout the day, right, he's going back to the marketplace. He's looking for idle people. Everybody say idle people. And when he encounters them, the question arises, why are you standing here idle? And I think something that is important to point out here about this question is that it's actually clear that the Lord does not like us to be idle. 
Like, what does it mean to be idle, right? If you sit in your car and it's idling, it may be on, but there's no motion to it. It's not going anywhere. And so in this, that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, he's like, man, don't, uh, why are you standing here idle? And, uh, and so when we look at this, you have to realize something. We were created from the beginning to work for the kingdom of God. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it actually says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. We're created to work. Now, it's not about being overworked. It's not about not having proper rest. It's not about just burning the candle at both ends. But we have to realize that you and I are created to work, and we have been from the beginning. And so when we said yes to Jesus, we're actually saying yes to a life of service with him. See, the American gospel has twisted that and has really deceived the church to think the gospel is what I can get out of it, not what I give to it. We have to remember that the gospel of the kingdom is not about you and I. We are not the main reference in the story. The gospel of the kingdom, it has been and it will always be about him. The conversation is about him. The, 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 the things that we do, we do them because it's about him. Now, understanding because he's a good master, when you serve him, he's going to give good things back into your life. Why? Because he loves you. And all good and thing, uh, perfect things come from above. They come down from the Father of lights in whom there is no darkness, no shadow of turning. So God never changes. So because he's good, he's going to give you good in your life. But the life and the service in the kingdom of God is exactly that. When we say yes to him, we're saying yes to a life of service because we each have a part to play. Because it's not about what I can get, it's about what I can give. But this is the neatest thing about the kingdom. When I give, he gives back to me good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. And that's an amazing thing, right? So I sow my life as a seed and I die to myself. And then yet I now find life in abundance to the full till it overflows. And it's an amazing, beautiful thing that doesn't make a lot of sense that we actually go into the kingdom with a willingness to die. But because we died for him uh, to ourselves and our flesh, we are now raised and we live uh, in the glory of God. We live with a, with a different mindset and a posture and he blesses us and he uses us and he allows us to do things we never thought we could do. It's an amazing thing because we all have a part to play in the kingdom of God. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through 8, he tells us, he says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. It says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, right? That grace is the enablement of the spirit. Like we're not all the same and that's okay. Like God has created us uniquely and he's given us a grace or the, the ability to do some things that others can't do. Listen, I can tell you this. I'm not a great host. My wife is, but I'm not a great host. Like there are certain giftings that go like some of y'all, like you can like host like 70 people at your house and it's like the best thing you've ever done. 70 people at my house and I'm like, dude, I like hanging out with people. But like, there's still something about me that if for whatever reason in my head, it kicks on to like a work mode. And so like, I have to like work at it and stuff. Cause I really do enjoy myself. But at the same time, like when we just, if there's like a massive group of people, I'm always like, what is going on? And, uh, and so the thing is, is, so she has a gift to host. Uh, listen, there are other people who are given to, to hospitality. There are other people that are just, man, you have the gift to just compliment people. You see the things that nobody else sees. And you're like, but you just look so beautiful today. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, thank you. 
You know what I'm talking about? Right? And maybe you just have that heart to serve. You just see a need. You just meet the need. It's amazing. Right? So we all have this part to play. So he says, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, he just simply says this, let us use them. Right? And so maybe some have a prophetic gift. If prophecy, he says, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. He says, or ministry, right? Listen, the word ministry is not like, so we use the word ministry, right, when we talk about like pastors and things like that. The word ministry simply means servant, to serve. So he says, if ministry, just to serve, he says, then let us use it in our ministry. To him who teaches, uh, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So he's just saying, whatever gifts that you have, whatever God has put in your life, and those things that just naturally stand out. Um, Rick Kraft is a guy here in our community, amazing man, um, runs Leadership Roswell, has been for like 30-something years. I got to be a part of it this last year. One of the things that like, I admired, it's just not my gifting, because like, I feel like I'm as thoughtful as he is. Um, like Literally every single day of his life, he's writing an encouraging note to somebody. He hadn't written any mails it to him. I know that sounds like weird, like, it's like not in a sense of like, oh, that's cool. He just writes a handwritten note. But the thing is, is the testimonies and the stories that he shared with us of people who came back to thank him because that note showed up on their worst day. Or they needed that thing or they needed that encouragement or, or, or whatever it was that was going on in their life. And it seems very simple, but just a handwritten note to somebody say, hey, I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. Today. I believe in you. I'm praying for you. Hope you have a great time. Have, have a great week. And yet something, what seems simple, has a massive impact for the kingdom of God. It's interesting. So we just simply want to use what we have. So the body of Christ has many parts. Each part has a specific use. And so here's the thing. Without each part in action in the body, the body does not work right. right. If we are missing limbs in our physical body, if we are missing certain organs in our body, the rest of the body cannot live. Right? It may, and here's the thing, some of it, like maybe we're missing limbs. We can still function, but we're not functioning to fullness. And so a lot of times, if you walk through these doors or just in general, you're thinking, Man, I, what can I do? Listen, your service, whenever, whenever you come in and you choose to serve others, the very things that are in you that, that just naturally that you do will serve the body of Christ and help us to function at the fullness of what God intended for us to function. So that's why we, just, we have to just simply get to it and just, and just do what he's put on the inside of us to do. Because 1 Corinthians 12, 18 tells us, but now God has set the members. God is the one that actually placed the things on the inside of you. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. Don't compare the gifting that God has put in you to the gifting that God has in somebody else. Like, listen, I could get on this afternoon and, and go watch a bunch of videos of preachers who could preach circles around me. But I'm not called to compare my gifting and who I am to who they are. I'm not supposed to be them. Like, just in case you guys are wondering, I'm not Craig Groeschel. That dude is like jacked and has it really dialed in. You know what I'm saying? It's awesome. They got campuses all over the nation, largest church in America. I just want to let y'all know, my name is not Joel Furtick. He's also jacked. I wonder what all these like, popular dudes, they're all like, oh, it's cool. But here's the thing, is I'm not here to compare myself to what they're doing. I'm here to be faithful to the assignment that God has given me. And that's Waymaker Church in Roswell, New Mexico. Amen? And so it doesn't matter what they're doing. We want to learn how to have a heart to cheer them on, to celebrate what God is using them for, for the great things that he's done. We want to have those things. And then at the same time, we just want to simply be learn to be faithful with what God has given us. What has he placed in your life? Whatever it is, simply use it. Because God is the one who has set the members, each one of them, in the body. Listen to this. Just as he pleased. 
That's important to hear. So the rich young ruler we spoke about a second ago, his thing was he chose material things over Jesus. And, and we each have to make the choice to serve the Lord. Now, keeping in mind that, that we're all called to work for the kingdom of God, the central truth of this parable is actually a warning of the Lord against having a hireling spirit in the service of the Lord. Right. So we see first that he goes back to the marketplace and people are standing idle and he's calling them to work. And so I wanted to touch on that up front just to say, look, God's called us all to work. We just need to learn to work. Enjoy the work and the service of the Lord. But in this, the main thing of this parable is that he is actually warning against having a hireling spirit. What is a hireling spirit? A hireling spirit is, is one who is only doing it because they're getting paid and they got an attitude while they're doing it. They're not doing it because they love the master. They're doing it because they were told to do it. You hired me. Here's some money. So we're going to look at that for a moment. So when the Lord of the vineyard tells his steward right, to render the wages... Uh, he says, begin with the one who was last. I think that Jesus is talking about this specifically because of Peter's question. What's in it for me? Right? The apostles carried the burden of birthing the church after Jesus rose from the dead. And that thought is, what's in it for me? The disciples are constantly asking questions of the gospels. So who gets to sit on your right? Who gets to sit on your left when we come into the kingdom? They're jockeying for position. They're jockeying for power. It's the same thing. Humanity hasn't changed. It's the same thing people do every day at the workplace. Uh, it's what happens in families all the time. It's what happens in marriages. And if we could learn to just serve one another, we wouldn't have as many problems that we have. That's, that's not even this message. That's another one, but it's a good word. <laughs> it's not a message on marriage, but I'm just saying. Serve one another. Love one another. Lay down your life instead of trying to get what's yours. I'm not going down that road. I'm going to stay right here. <laughs> I'm not. It's not the day for that. <laughs> so the thing is, is Jesus is strategic when he says, begin with the one who is last. And why is that? Because Jesus is about to reveal the motive of the heart. Our motivations matter in the kingdom of God. And so while the steward pays those who work last, no doubt the first ones are watching, right? I mean, they're all, it's all payday, and they're all like, yeah, I'm about to get my machete, right? And I went to work today. And so the last one, who was there for an hour, they say roughly the, the working day that they would well, say back in the time, I think it was about 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And so there was that 12 hours in a day that was kind of customary of the time. So when he's saying the third hour, it potentially would have been around 9 o'clock, then noon, then 3, then 6. Uh, and so the last one, though, was, was called at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Right, So these other dudes went to work super early in the morning. They're standing around. And so they're bearing the heat of the day. They're bearing the full 12 hours. The dude that works one hour at the end of the day is up there, and he gets paid the same thing. I can already hear y'all's thoughts right now. You're like, that's not fair. <laughs> and that's the same thing that, that happened in this. But I believe Jesus did it on purpose because he wanted to reveal the heart motives of the ones who began first. See, this is what I love about the kingdom of God. We can have a heart that's willing to serve and to go first, and yet we could still go with the wrong motivation. The motivation is to get more instead of just to be faithful. And so it's intriguing in this because as they, as they look at this, their reaction, again, is reminiscent of what we see in our culture today. They were offended. Their, their, their questions flood their heart. Why was the last paid first? I'm the one that was here all day. Not only that, why, why did they receive the same amount of pay for less time working? That's messed up, right? They're offended. They're, they're mad at the master uh, for that. And here's the thing about offense. Offense led them to murmur and complain against the Lord of the vineyard. And this is what happened. In doing so, their thinking became evil. 
And this is what I love. Like the Lord of the Vineyards response, obviously this is referring to, to God. It was so simple. He says, can I not do what I want with what is mine? I think it's important for us to capture the essence of that question. When you say yes to Jesus, everything you have and everything you are up until including your life does not belong to you anymore. You have been bought with a price. We probably haven't heard that in church in a little while. You're not your own. Your life is not your own. And he makes a statement. He says, can I not do what I want with what belongs to me? Isn't it interesting how when we pause and we shift that framework, we shift that reference internally, it changes everything. When you realize that your life is not your own, him asking you to do something doesn't bother you. Because you realize it's not about me. I'm supposed to be dead to me. Lord, what do you want? Yes, sir, I'll do that. Like my goal in life, sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. Um, my goal in life is to learn how to live with a perpetual yes to him. Whatever he says, whenever he says it, I want my heart's answer to be yes. Not reluctantly, not because I feel like he's twisting my arm. I want my heart's desire and my heart posture to just simply say, whatever you ask, I'm game. And I want to do it with joy. Amen? Because if we're only in it for what's for us, we're going to have a hireling spirit before the Lord. And so he just, again, he makes that statement, can I do what I want with what is mine? And so the thing is, is did he not as the owner have the rights to be generous? And that's one of those things. We talk about fairness. God is looking at generosity and demonstrating who he is. The reality is, is the first people, they got a day's wage. The amount that they received was a day's wage at that time. And it was just. They received what they went out there to work for. And it was the right amount for the day because the master was good. But at the end of the day, God was wanting to demonstrate his generosity to the one who worked less, but to still show him that he is good. See, we have to realize the revelation of the kingdom of God. All of these parables, he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like. He's trying to reveal the nature of who he is. And what he's revealing in this thing is he's just saying, like, I'm just, but I'm also generous. And what he's telling us is that 11th hour, did they deserve a full day's wage? No, they worked for one. But in that moment, he's saying, because I'm good, give them the day's wage. And if we carry a hireling spirit and a heart that's offended, we're actually going to miss the generosity of God. Because we'll think, so this is where humanity gets involved. We think by our own admission, as we take our seat back on the throne, and we say, oh, I don't think that's right. And this is the part we have to learn. This is moments where God's going, I don't think I asked. That's basically what he's telling him. That ain't right. And he's just going, did I ask you? If you thought it was right? He's like the one who spoke the world into existence, who fashioned and formed, who said light be and light was, whose spirit hovered over the face of the deep and caused dry land to appear and plants to appear and animals to appear, who created you from the dust of the ground. That's my favorite thing about Job, like, was it 38 and 39 when God finally responds to Job? Do you know his intro statement? He says, who is this who darkens, uh, who darkens uh, uh, counsel without wisdom? And he tells me, he says, stand up on your feet like a man. I'm going to question you. And I'm like, oh, like, that's going to get good. And his whole thing is he's like, where were you when I founded the earth? Where were you when I hung it on nothing? 
And it's one of those things that we have to reorient our perspective. A kingdom understanding is that there is a king. And everything belongs to him. And we learn to live from that place. Like, and we don't live as like a hired servant. We live as a servant who chooses. Uh, so a, a, a bond servant is one who, because they love the master, they voluntarily submit themselves to slavery to that master because of their great love for them. And so he actually wants us to have this heart and desire as bond servants to just say yes to him. I will serve you. It's all yours. Whatever you want. Sure. You want to go bless that person? Yeah, let's go. You want to love that person? Yeah. And somebody else may be like, that person's unlovable. No, they're not. They may be a little crusty around the edges. Let's just be real about that. Right? They may not be the single thorn in the side. They may be the whole bush. Maybe they're a full long hedge of rose bushes. You know what I'm saying? And, and everywhere you walk, it's like, oh, oh my, oh, oh my gosh. But here's the thing is, if God says, I want you to go love and serve that person, your answer should be what? Yeah. Yes. Con gusto. <laughs> Y'all didn't know I spoke Espanol. I really don't, but that's that was about the extent of it. He like mucho gusto, you know, like <laughs> that's all I got. I got that in fuego, fuego de Dios, like fire of God. Like we'll just we'll, we'll do those two with pleasure, fire of God. It's cool. So the biggest thing is we have to be mindful of not elevating our reasoning above the Lord. Right? We're workers. He's the owner. And so in Romans chapter 9, verse 20 and 21, he says, But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? He says, Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? Our American mindset when we heard the word dishonor was like, That's not fair. (laughs) Every time. Right, And that's why we can't approach the scripture as an American. We have to approach the scripture as one who has been born again into the kingdom of God. He didn't write the book to America, but the book has effect on America. Amen? And so paying the last worker first exposed the heart motive of those who have been employed first. In their, in their eyes, uh, they were first, but in the, last, in the eyes of everybody else, they're last. And so those that are last in their own eyes will be first in the eyes of the Lord. And this is a contrast between pride and humility. If you think that God owes you, you're going to be last in the kingdom. But if you realize that, that, that he doesn't owe you anything and you just simply serve in his eyes, you're going to be first. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If we walk in pride thinking that God owes us, God is actually going to resist us to break down the spirit of pride so that you and I can actually walk in humility and be empowered by the grace of God, which is the Holy Spirit on your life helping you to do what you can't do on your own. Because pride comes before a fall, but God gives grace to the humble. And so in this parable, Jesus is confronting the wrong attitudes. He's confronting wrong motives and expectations in believers who are laboring for the Lord. And so the workers who, who started first had their attitudes exposed. The first worker uh, and the first workers, they had an attitude of what are we going to get out of it? They simply served the Lord for what they could get. The second thing is that they had a critical and murmuring attitude towards the Lord of the vineyard. Why should they get the same as this? Why, should, why shouldn't we get more than them? They exalted their desires above God's purpose. So the first thing is they serve for what they can get. The second thing is that they exalt their desires above God's purpose. The third thing is they had a false concept of the Lord of the vineyard and felt that he was unjust and not fair. But here's the thing. We do not define who he is. He defines who he is. And if we can bring that understanding into our life, gosh, it'll save us so much heartache. 
Like, why be offended? Like, my, like here's the thing. When we walk through tough times, again, this one's just still fresh for me because it's still less than two years. Like, when my dad died, listen, on the inside, I remember, like, you just, you sit there and you're thinking, Lord, why didn't you touch him? Why didn't you heal him? Why did you let him die? And all those questions begin to rise up on the inside, right? When you see trauma and tragedy and trial, all these different things. And I had the thought come. I said, why am I going to get angry at the only one who can help me right now? Because he was the only one that could touch my heart. He was the only one that could sustain me during that season. And so if we get offended, like we're literally getting angry at the only person who can change what's going on. It's crazy. So we don't get to define who he is. He defines who he is. The fourth thing in the wrong attitudes that were exposed is they had wrong attitudes to the other laborers who came in at the last part of the harvest and labored for the Lord. Right? They were upset that they received the same thing, uh, those that did less. They felt entitled. And the reality of the gospel is that we are not entitled to anything. <laughs> we're not entitled to anything. The Lord doesn't owe us anything. But because he loves us, he gives us all kinds of good things. But we have to understand, he doesn't owe it to us. That is why it's mercy. Like we're getting what we don't deserve. His compassion, he's just going, he's like, look, like you are wicked and evil in your own ways. You're not righteous on your own. And because he's good, he says, look, I'm going to be merciful towards you. I'm going to have the chassid agape love of God. I'm going to have that part that you can't do anything to change who I am. And so right now, I'm just, I'm going to be loved because it's who I am, and I'm going to lavish it on you, and you don't deserve it. Amen? And so we have to, we have to get that because they, they felt entitled, and we're not entitled to anything. God is abundant in mercy and compassion. He's given us everything, and there is nothing we've done to deserve it. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the revelation of the love of God that he's going, look, you don't deserve it. And because you don't deserve it, you don't need to walk around feeling unworthy. You actually should walk around with a heart filled with gratitude. That's why we give thanks and praise, because we realize he picked us up out of the miry clay and he set us on a solid rock. He didn't say that you created the rock. It just says that he picked you up out of it and he set you on it. You're on the highway to hell. There's a song for that. <laughs> Didn't intend it that way, but there's a song for that. And then he turns around, and through the, the sacrifice of his son Jesus, all of a sudden now you're on the path to heaven. You were once lost in darkness. And because of confession of the mouth and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, now you've been made righteous. You've been made holy. He has set you apart, and you didn't do anything to deserve it. Like, that's why the gospel is good news, because you can't do it on your own. That's the whole purpose of the old covenant, was to declare the righteousness of God and show the depravity of man, that no matter how hard we work, no matter how hard we try, none of it is any good. We cannot keep the, the perfect law of God. And listen, the law of God was pure and righteous and holy. His commandments were good and just. He was right. But it was just the whole revelation that you need a savior. And so he sends Jesus in our place and he takes what we've broken and he turns it around for good. And not because we've done anything, but because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, that he died once and for all to sin as the sacrifice for all mankind, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Listen, not only that, you're not condemned this morning. 
In him, it says that he did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The only way a person stands condemned in the kingdom of God is because they love evil more than they love the light. And because of their works, they stay in darkness. Because the, and, and, and when you're in darkness, it stays condemned. But when you walk in him, you're made righteous by his son. So good. You're justified freely by his grace as a free gift, not because you earned it, not because you did something good, not because you were elevated. And so when it comes to the work of the Lord, we have to make sure that we maintain a mindset that it's not about how much you do that makes you great in the kingdom of God. And if we carry a pride attitude to think that, like, well, they ought to honor me more because, like, I'm the guy. Baloney. It's not about that. It's not about positions and title. It's about serving one another and giving honor to one another and doing what the Lord asked us to do. And to do it with the right kind of a heart. Where we're not angry at the person whom God honors. But instead we learn to honor them too. Amen? Come on, somebody. I'm preaching myself happy today. That's why I let out a shout of praise, little one. Come on, somebody. Can't back that up. I don't speak baby, but I figured that's what it could be. I don't know. So in this, what is Jesus teaching us to do? Jesus is teaching us to guard the motives and the attitudes of our heart in our service to the Lord. Our attitude should actually be that of the last worker. They had an attitude of trust in the Lord of the vineyard. Stop and think about it. They're getting hired an hour before quitting time, and he's saying, whatever's right, I'll pay you. He didn't even tell them how much it is. He says, whatever's right, I'll give it to you. So they actually went in with an attitude of trust that he was going to do right. They had a responsive attitude. When called as idle, they were happy to work. The third thing is that they did not... Uh, They did not have like an entitled spirit to see what they could get out of it. Neither did they have a bargaining spirit or a murmuring spirit. John chapter 4, verse 36, it says, And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Our whole thing about serving in the kingdom of God is about gathering fruit for eternal life. You'll have fruit today, but it's about fruit for eternal life. It's about the life beyond this that we're living. And Proverbs 11.30 says this, we're called to work. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Can I encourage you this morning? We are saved to serve. We're called by him to lay down our lives so that as many people as possible can know him. And while we serve, we guard our mind, we guard our attitude, and we guard our heart to not think that he owes us something. He doesn't know us anything. He's very good to us. And we simply just need to learn how to serve and to say yes. And remember that that yes may involve sacrifice in your life. You may have to give up some things. You may have to give up some time. You may have to give up some resources. But don't let those things stop you because the, the thing is, is at the, end of, at the end of time, his reward is going to be so much greater than the things that you've ever given up. Can I tell you right now, learn to hold on to this world loosely. Because you and I don't know when we're going to breathe our last. Our desire is that we'll live a long and a fruitful life. But can I tell you today that that even in a long and fruitful life, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years, whatever, in the blip of eternity, it's nothing. It tells us it's a wisp of vapor, a puff of smoke. It's here and and it dissipates. 
And, and even though we're living for today, we have to understand that you need to learn how to live for that day. And when you learn to live for that day, serving is no longer a burden. Taking some time to go and to invest in other people's lives is no longer a burden. It's no longer, hey, I'm too busy. No. We need to learn how to get busy with the right things. We need to stop being idle when it comes to the kingdom of God. What does that look like? Instead of disengaging men with our families, we learn how to engage and to lead them effectively. So we're tired. So what? Do it anyway. Why? Because there's a mantle that rests on you. Mom, if you're in there raising them young babies and man, you're just, you're tired. Stick it out and keep showing compassion. Stick it out and keep nurturing. Stick it out and keep loving. Keep encouraging because you're literally raising future kingdom people for the Lord. Amen? We have to learn to just continue after these things. But we are called and we're saved to serve. Thank you for listening to the Waymaker Podcast. To simply connect, or if this message ministered to you and you would like to support the ministry, you can simply go to waymakerchurch.org.